Is that better? Ah, now that's better. Okay. Here we go. Live from London, this is the Saturday Lunch with oh, Joseph Hammond. Don't do that to me. Live from London. Ah! Oh, unless I can't hear myself for some reason. Um, apologies, everybody. Let me just try this. Oh, that would be white. There we go. From London, <laughs> this is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond. Ah. <laughs> uh... I'm trying a new setup, that's why that happened, and I have lots of external um, uh, audio equalizers and things, and um, the audio is coming out of my microphone, so yay, that happened! <laughs> great start to 2022. Anyway, no, we've got a great show coming up, I'll tell you all about it after the intro. Live from London. This is the Saturday Lunch with Joseph Hammond on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Ah oh dear, so yeah. I guess that's one of the problems with having um, some advanced gear like I do, is that um, sometimes it can be so advanced it does things automatically that you don't intend for it to do. Um, and my microphone can also double as an audio output as well. Um, it's a Blue Yeti X. It's a really good quality microphone. But um, anyway, so yeah, that happened. Um, so yeah, you might um, notice a bit of a difference in the sound today because um, hopefully for the better because I'm trying out a new setup because my um, I've got two laptops. I've got a MacBook Pro and I've got a, um, a gaming laptop from PC Specialist. And my gaming laptop has a fan that is very, very loud um and unfortunately because my microphone can be very sensitive it picks it up so um sound is brilliant joe okay excellent thanks for clarifying that tom um so yeah i'm using my macbook pro today because um listening back to some of my previous shows although you can hear me pretty well i know that my fan is very audible in the background um, and so I thought I'd swap my uh, desk round and um, plug in all my bits with into my MacBook and see how that goes. But it seems to be an improvement so far without an annoying fan in the background. Oh, I have a caller. Uh, okay. Um, Ibrahim, Ibrahim Daibi wants to call in. Hello, Ibrahim. What are you Okay, what, 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 what can I do for you? Um, did you want to, did you want to contribute something, Abraham? 
Okay. Um, sorry about that. Um, I'll, um, Ibrahim, if you wanted to, um, if um, you just let me know um, what you, what you'd like to contribute. Um, yeah, not sure what happened there. Anyway, so um, we have. Um, oh, I've got I've got quite a few people on on at the moment. Of uh, Yasmin's destroyed. Um, right. So yeah, my setup. Hopefully, it sounds um, it sounds better, and there's not an annoying loud fan in the background because that was distracting for me, and I wasn't aware of it before. And I can't I can't help that on my other laptop because it is a gaming laptop. It's got some very powerful components, which if it didn't have a fan that was like that they would get extremely hot. So um, that's why the fan on that's so loud. And, well, my MacBook Pro is also powerful, but it's also quiet. Um, so, and, uh, you know, I'd hope that spending £2,500 on, uh, on, on each of my laptops, yes, seriously, both of my laptops are about 2500 each. Um, I, I care deeply about my hardware. Um, and in tech um the fan is a lot quieter on this one so um things that i wanted to talk about before my guest joins us and um i should mention who my guest is my guest uh is a uh the head teacher of high furlong school in blackpool um he has won awards and the school have won many awards and it's a special needs school um and his name is neil olden and so uh neil and i actually worked together um for a course called european youth summer music i was a member of the house staff team hello Ibrahim. um i was a member of the house staff team and neil is actually the head of house staff as well in european youth summer music so um i wanted to I'll, um, I'll talk, I will be talking to him about special needs music and lots of stuff. But um, one elephant in the room that music teachers and other specialist teachers everywhere have been um, up in arms about is the chief of Ofqual's recent comments. Um, obviously, with covid surging and omicron variant happening all over the place um people have suffered a lot of staff absences and uh that's becoming difficult to manage yet the government and people are obviously determined to uh keep schools open and i i, I don't need to tell you all that um but one thing that sort of hits hard um if you are a specialist teacher like me is that um, there's a lot of, uh, is that the off-call chief decided to make a comment suggesting that when you have staff absences, that um, teachers of arts and humanities and non and so-called non-core subjects should be redeployed um, and those subjects should be scrapped if necessary so that schools can stay open and uh, people can um, get, carry on with the core subjects. Of course, um, this is absolutely outrageous um, and every uh, people, music teachers everywhere have all been up in arms about uh, the whole thing. And I don't need to 
do you, to be honest, I don't want to give this guy power over me. So I'm not going to do a massive rant about how those comments are absolutely outrageous because I don't want to give people like that power over me. I do not. I'm not going to um, let people dictate to me how important my subjects are. And I'm not going to let people dictate to me how... um, well just it's 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 another in a long line of um people who sort of do not see the importance of um the arts humanities in uh in schools and it's a real shame um and i want so i'm not gonna make a massive rant about it and i am fortunate to be in a position where that's not going to happen to me because my school is not like that. In some of my previous jobs, I honestly think that would have happened to me. Um, I honestly think they were, some of those uh, senior leaders would have redeployed me and would have, um, would, would, would have had me teaching English maths to cover for, other teachers who are off with COVID or um, or are self-isolating and uh, it so I think I dodged a bullet there and I'm very thankful for that um, and to you know by now we we're music teachers are, and are teachers of the arts we're used to our subject being undervalued undermined um and yeah taking taking less importance over the core subjects and you know it's it's a real it's a real shame we're kind of used to it by now we will keep fighting the good fight though um so i'm not going to talk any more about that because um as I say, I do not want to give people who undermine me or undervalue my subject uh, subjects power over me. What I um, a couple of other things that I did want to talk about that I saw and heard recently. Um, I'm in a Facebook group called Primary School Music Teachers, and in this group, there's it's all sorts of. Um, Prime, uh, primary school music specialists or people, um, non-specialists who are music coordinators in their schools. And one of the people, one of the members of the group recently posted about some uh, flashy looking outdoor door ground like playground installations that are, that are music based. They cost £3,000, but I talked, I, I messaged this person about value for money, because what are you getting when you buy these outdoor installations? Well, you're actually really only getting a, a plastic structure with five to uh, eight, usually about five to eight notes of a glockenspiel or a xylophone. That's a typical one of these installations. And 
one of those costs about £1,500. Just to put that in context, my piano, which is a full range, good quality Roland, it's a Roland RD88, um, which is it's good quality. It's got hundreds of sounds and um, all sorts of things I can do with it. That cost me £1,000. So would you honestly pay £1,500 for a big plastic outdoor thing with eight notes of a xylophone? Because I know I wouldn't. You can barely do... Uh, it's what, what happens when... Um, what happens when schools put these installations in is the kids will at first be, oh, what's this shiny new thing? And then after a week or so, it never gets used because the kids would rather be, you know, doing active things like playing football or, um, I, I sorry, I know I'm stereotyping a little bit. They, they'd rather be, you know, they'd rather be doing things like playing active games with uh, hoops, bean bags, footballs, um i uh, think things like that what a um now you could argue that when if you restrict things then being creative with them is a way of is a way of improving their creativity but here's a philosophy on gear that a uh, video a composer of video games uh once said um he said that if you get a piece of equipment and you immediately your mind starts racing with ideas with this oh i could do so much with this this sounds amazing i could i could do loads of experiments with it and i could get loads of good stuff going then it's worth the money now, this is a composer and producer that said this, um, but he said, if it's a piece of equipment that is, is expensive and you think, oh, if I spent a bit of time with this, maybe I could do some creative things with it. It's less worth it. So... When you're when you're thinking of equipment purchases that are good value for money, and I've seen this a lot at the Bet Show, which is the education technology show um, I will be attending if it goes ahead in March. It was supposed to be in January, but it's delayed to March. Um, I will be looking at how I and I've gotten better at this over the years. The first time I went to the Bet Show, I um was kind of overwhelmed it is a huge show um and oh look at this shiny new piece of technology oh look at look at uh, look at this shiny new piece of technology and uh you know so i grabbed everything i could um but i've gotten much better at looking at things and seeing okay is there depth to this is this good value for money are you are you going to purchase this and it's just going to be a novelty and it's going to be just something that you use once and then that's it? Or is it going to be something that you use um, co consistently and you get a lot of depth out of it? 
Um, and I had this last year with a couple of Lego purchases because we were looking at physical computing and we were looking at the Lego coding and education offerings that they have. And uh, there was one suggestion that came up, but it was more of a commercial thing. And it was restricted to five things you could build with it. Now, that's not too bad. But once you've built those five things, there's no more depth to it. Unlike um, the ones we got were Lego Coding Express and Lego We Do. Coding Express is aimed at early years um, and maybe year ones. And um, Lego We Do is aimed at seven to 12 year olds or so. And um, there's all sorts and they, they, the Lego education team, they will put lesson plans to go with it. So uh, you can see the progression. You can see the concepts that they're teaching. Um, obviously, Lego Coding Express being aimed at early years is basic. However, it's a train set and um, you can control it with iPads via Bluetooth. And when you put certain colored bricks down and the train goes over those colored bricks, certain things happen. So, um, and actually, with, you know, early years and children and their uh, younger children and their imaginations, there can be a surprising amount of depth that goes with that. And with Lego We Do, then you can get some more advanced programming concepts. But then the next level up from that, um, I can't remember the name of the next level up from that, but the most advanced one they do is Mindstorms. And with Lego Mindstorms, you've got an entire programming kit. Um, and there's so much depth with that. So when you're when when you're thinking of purchasing equipment, then just think about the value for money. Is it a shiny thing that's gonna be accessed once and then never again? Or does it have real depth to it? And I've gotten much better at this in all the years going to the Bet Show and the Music and Drama Education Expo. I've gotten better at doing that. And um, yeah, going back to my previous point for those that just joined us, I see Neil's uh, joined us. Hey, Neil. Um, and um, I wanted... so. Where was I? Yeah. So this, so I said to um, the lady that posted this thing on Facebook about look at this um, outdoor installation. Is it worth it? And I said, no, think of it this way. My piano costs as much as the ones that you're looking at. And for the amount you're looking to spend, which is 3000, you could actually get a top of the range digital piano and um like a nord stage and nord stage pianos are the best of the best um and you could get one of those and that's infinitely more value for money than some outdoor installations that you know are going to be accessed once and then never again um so that is um what i and so that 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 was my thoughts on that. So I've talked a bit about the off-call chief's comments. I've talked a bit about value for money for instruments. The last two things I wanted to talk about 
I found something that I wish had existed sooner. And I also, um, and also that I wish existed at times when I was struggling. I found something called the Autistic School Staff Project. Now, um, those that have listened to my show fairly regularly know that I am on the autistic spectrum. Um, and those that know me well will also know that I am on the autistic spectrum. And I wish that something like that existed sooner. It was founded in 2019. And yeah, just having something there that acknowledges that there are school staff who are on the spectrum, probably more than we realize, that means a lot. And uh, they've got some really, they've got some uh, great research. Um, and I downloaded uh, one of their resources, which is a leaflet on working with school staff on the spectrum, adjustments that need to be made, and the kinds of things that they can offer schools if supported properly. And I've been, I've been lucky and unlucky. I've had staff that I, I've had school staff, and I've had schools that have really supported me, and I've had those that sadly haven't um but yeah it so it says on the website it aims to understand better the experiences needs and strengths of autistic education staff in a range of roles in schools so i know um other people that in my friend uh, friends and family that have staff who are on the spectrum now they might not be as open about it as me. I'm I'm very open about it. I didn't used to be, but I am now because um, I firmly believe that people should know not to treat me differently in the sense that I'm expecting special, so-called special treatment, but reasonable adjustments and an understanding of my own needs. I do... I really appreciate it when that does happen. And uh, I guess, yeah, when there, there's several examples of when people do feel properly supported and understood, then they do thrive. And that's the case with anybody. Um, and I was, I was delighted to see that one of the uh, members of uh, one of the members of staff um of the autistic uh, school staff project is actually a uh, music teacher who runs her own piano teaching business. So that was really cool. Um, so I wanted the last thing I wanted to talk about before I take an ad break is I wanted to talk to, about um, one of my favorite blogs and my favorite bloggers posted something really interesting. I'm talking about Chris Bonello. And Chris uh, writes for the blog Autistic Not Weird. I am determined to get him on my show sometime. But he made a post that was really interesting. And this is related to a mainstream school. And we're not sure if this girl was neurodivergent, but the story was still interesting. Um, and it reads the following. 
I was watching my class take part in a PE lesson led by an external sports teacher, which involved teamwork among the whole class. 31 children in a mainstream primary school. One activity involved standing in a circle and walking around in that circle together while passing a football through their legs to the next person. There was this one boy, who I'll pretend his name was James, who kept dropping the ball. Whenever he dropped it, he ran out of line, <coughs> picked the ball back up, got back in line and carried on. Then he would wait again for the next time for the ball to come in and most likely drop it again. Nobody mentioned anything. The class seemed to barely notice. James was a neurotypical, high-attaining 10-year-old boy who had excellent manners, several friends and no disabilities. He dropped the ball many times and nobody in his class battered an eyelid. I mean, it happens to most of us, right? At the exact same time, there was a 10-year-old girl who I'm calling Vicky. To this day, I don't know whether she was neurodivergent, but she was certainly someone who struggled in school, both academically and socially. And the class had spotted this over their years together. At the same time, though, Vicky didn't stand out as much as the two kids who had quite visible disabilities. Every time Vicky dropped the ball, children in the circle huffed and muttered, Vicky, shunning her for getting in the way of the class completing the task. Both James and Vicky dropped the ball a roughly equal number of times. The neurotypical boy had his faults pointed out a grand total of zero times by his classmates. But the girl with academic slash social struggles was seen as the one who was letting the team down. That is a pretty tragic story. And, um, but sadly, it's often the case. And a lot of mainstream school children, they, they, I, I, I think as early as possible, they don't see people as different. Um, and in many ways, that's a good thing. But what it can also do is it can mean that people with a difference, that perhaps the kids don't realise what their needs are, might be expected to be able to do something or be expected to act a certain way. And when they don't, then they're moaned at or whined at. Um, Chris goes on to say, once kids with learning difficulties have the quote, reputation of standing out as struggling, that reputation sticks with them. You know, I was always terrible at football. That reputation stuck with me throughout my life. Um, fortunately, I do have skills in computing and music, which people always saw me as. So I had that reputation as well, thankfully. I know not everybody does, though. Um, so just 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 think about that for a moment. And in my lessons, due to being on the spectrum myself, but also because I care deeply about special needs children getting opportunities and having the best quality of life they possibly can, I always have stuck up for them in my lessons. Okay, um, I'm going to just get a quick drink. While I do that, I'm going to play the adverts and then... Um, it will be time for my guest to call in. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. 
created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics. Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. Okay. Neil, can you hear me? Hi, Joe. Yes, I can hear you. Hopefully you can hear me. Yeah, I can. Fantastic. So, everybody, um, it's time for my guest. So, um, my guest uh, today, as you might have seen on socials, is Neil Oldham, um, the head teacher of High Furlong School. Um, who have just recently did you, uh, Neil? You, the school won school of the year, didn't you? Win head teacher of the year as well. So yes, we we were in two different uh, pools of nominations. Some of the local ones in Blackpool. We're based up in the northwest in Blackpool. Uh, we won primary school of the year um, nice. for Blackpool and the Fowl Coast. Um, two of the teachers won inspirational teaching awards for. Um, a very bespoke reading and phonics program that they devised for children with SEN. Brilliant. And, uh, and then, yes, uh, I won the local head teacher of the year award, That's so uh, which was very much based on the work that we'd done as a school, uh, but equally was lovely to receive. And then the very following week, we were in the shortlisted to the national four, uh, last four schools in the national schools awards uh, yeah. with the schools and academies uh, show and went to the House of Lords and, and we won. So we were, we were absolutely delighted. That's, that's insane. Like, oh, I, I've been, ever since, um, and, you know, I know I only did it once, but, you know, ever since I, because um, I mentioned earlier in the show that um, you are still head of house staff at EYSM, aren't you? So I am course director for EYSM now. So when we finally get back to a face-to-face summer school, uh, which will hopefully be this year, we've, we're very much planning that we'll be back together and making music. Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll be leading the course with Liz, um, as, as always. And we have other colleagues that are leading the pastoral team now. Oh, brilliant! Because back when back when I was a student, Neil was head of house staff, and um, I I did that one year, and I was also a student on the course when I was a teenager. So yeah, that's I I've been follow I've been following everything that you've been doing. I've just been in awe of it, Neil. So yeah, oh, and um, um, that's the first question I wanted to ask you because how do you balance being a head teacher and being a dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's 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 absolutely. I think most parents of young children who are in education will probably agree. It, it, it is a hard juggling act. You have to do, you have to work around 
around them. So quite often, it, you know, after bath time and bedtime, it, it, you then have to start work again. Um, and, you know, the Sunday night workload starts earlier, <laughs> you know, yeah. you just you just have to be really disciplined. And I think in terms of my time management, I've had to be really careful around making sure that when I am working, I just literally get my head down and get on with it so that you can make both worlds match. Um, obviously, one of my children has special needs um, mm-hmm. and he's in, a spe- he's in actually in special school. So right. we have to work around that as well. Um, but it's it, it's it's very rewarding, um, but it is difficult, Joe. There's no yeah. there's no question about it. You do have a juggling act to get to get through both. I think I, I'm really really fortunate that in in both worlds, I've got an incredible team around me at school who yeah. you know uh, are always there at the drop of a hat to do what they need to do and to support. And similarly at home with with family and friends who will help as and when they can. Yeah. So, so do you um, do you attribute High Furlong's success to your team? Was it like that before you joined as well? So, uh, like, well, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, um, yeah. you know, you were head of music at a secondary school. So, what attracted yeah. you to then going for the headship at High Furlong? Well, I think, I mean, yes, absolutely. I did 19 years in mainstream secondary. Um, I was director of arts college when arts colleges were big. It was a uh-huh. huge arts college. With, uh, I think at one point we had five full-time music teachers, wow. um, four dance teachers, and I think perhaps four or five drama teachers. It was huge. But, of course, then we could see the landscape of specialist schools was changing. Um, I had the opportunity to become an assistant head in pastoral and safeguarding uh, and become the DSL. And then from that, I was able to become a SENCO and do the SENCO training. So I'd spent six or seven years in mainstream as a SENCO. Um, I was uh, co-located with High Furlong, so I knew the school. And when the post came up um, and I was appointed as the um, head teacher at High Furlong, I went in really with two colleagues who were already in the school as assistant heads who had been in the school for a lot of years had the most incredible wealth of experience and knowledge um i had joanne who was an assistant head in the in the senior part of the school who was you know all about work related learning preparation for adulthood um enterprise type employment based learning and then, of yeah. course, I had Cheryl Drabble, who was my assistant head um, in school, um, widely renowned, published author of Send and, and the wealth of experience. So between the two of them, I, I went in as a new head in you know, my first headship, my first post in a special school, which you don't usually become a head of a school area <laughs> that you've not worked in particularly. Uh, yeah. But I had those two mentors and team members with me, and now they've both gone on to their retirement. Their work and their um, sort of relationship with me as as my colleagues and, and friends really helped us to pave the way so that we could carry on building on the strengths of the school and, and keep what was special about the school, but also then look at what needed to change and develop because we've doubled in size in the last two years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it was an interesting journey, Joe, for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, one that I would definitely do again. 
Yeah. Did you did you when you doubled in size, did you have any new expansions, new buildings, or did you literally have to double the amount of kids in the buildings that yeah. you had? A little bit of both, really. We, we're fortunate in that uh, before I became head, we moved, the, the school had a new build. Uh, okay. So the build was slightly bigger than the number of children that they had on roll, uh, but definitely not big enough for the number that we've got now. So it was built for around about 79, 80. We now have 112. So we've had to oh, have wow. uh, a new, we had a new classroom build. We've had some external buildings put um, in the grounds for various parts of the curriculum. Uh, and we are at a stage really where as a school we will love to build more um, and that's something that we're looking at and discussing so that we can continue to grow and offer that outstanding education for children that need it in our area. Yeah because um, after I after I graduated from the Guildhall I did do some volunteering with the local special school to Bushy and Watford called Breakspear School and uh, yeah if you get it right it is super it's super rewarding and I know that from a volunteer's perspective so uh, be, being being yeah. a head teacher of it and overseeing it all and seeing that children who really need he to have a lot of complex needs have come on that that just must be although stressful one of the best feelings ever yeah absolutely and I think for us it's really important that with the type of children that we've got it could be so easy to lose sight of the importance of education because their their physical needs or care needs are so great but actually we've got to stand strong and realize that we're there to teach them and give them all of the life skills and the knowledge that they need to be able to go on um, and prepare for adulthood and live independence in their own way. Yeah. So um, now I wanted to um, ask you, because um, if you may remember, Neil, I'm very much into my uh, uh, technology and uh, very nerdy (laughs) and that stuff. Um, I wanted to, how, uh, what kinds of tech do you have at High Furlong to support your pupils? Well, I mean, we we're one of the, we're the only special school I think nationally that are working with the DFE on the demonstrator program for oh, tech. Nice. So we uh, some of our children communicate uh, through eye gaze technology, um, so they can use their, their eyesight, point to symbols on on the screen, uh, and be able to communicate. Uh, we use all sorts of learning tools within um, the Apple Mac suite within Microsoft Word to be able to unlock the potential of children and be able to enable them to access learning. So for example, they use the uh, immersive tools within Microsoft Word to be able to um, decode and write things down. We convert everything Mm -hmm. into symbols if they need it so that communication um, is supported by technology as well so it's a massive range and actually the the AAC the assistive communication and technology was an area that I really needed to look at when I became head because of course there were a group of children when I went in that I couldn't communicate with my personal skill set had never needed to to know that side of technology so I had to go away and learn that. And I remember before the interviews going and spending a few days in a different special school to, to try and get my head around how we communicate with these children. And actually, the, the, once you are familiar with that, um, there, there are no barriers. It, it, it is incredible. And I think through 
the opportunity that demonstrator status has been able to give to us is that we've supported so many colleagues in the mainstream sector so that they can support children that are in mainstream with SEN to be able to access the curriculum. And, and, and they've learned so much about those children and about what their true potential is by doing that. It's been really, really rewarding. That sounds amazing. And um, I, I, cause um, from what I, uh, I've, wait, I've lost my train of thought. Um, so I, I remember from um, when I was a, a teaching assistant at a second, uh, at a special school, um, I, we used PECs. Uh, yeah. do, do you use that at High Furlong as well? Uh, yeah, we. I mean, we use the full range of high tech and low tech solutions. So, uh, PEX symbols. We use a lot of board maker. Um, the full range, really. Uh, there's no one set of tools that works for each for every child. So we have to have that full range. So yeah, we 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 have so many different um, versions. And I think one of the key things for us is that it's not just about the teachers being skilled in those. We've got probably about four-fifths of, of the workforce at High Furlong are associate staff. Nice. And the skill and knowledge that those associate staff hold, um, not just about the children, but about the ways that they can put things in place and strategies to help them communicate and to learn and to answer and, and just to be able to say, you know, how they're feeling. Um, all of those things come from the associate staff as much as the teaching staff. Yeah, um, I, I remember what I was going to say before, because um, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, from when I joined um, this, uh, this was Colnbrook School in Watford. Um, I worked there for a, about a year and a half. And um, there, other people there were saying that um, there's a move towards, because the pupil numbers are expanding, a lot of children with perhaps... Uh, what would be considered quote moderate learning difficulties are being more included in mainstream and uh, therefore Colnbrook was before a moderate learning difficulties school and Brainspear was the SLD school Um, so is is that is that kind of happening with you guys are perhaps mainstream schools trying to include more MLD pupils um, but and then you guys um, are becoming mostly an SLD school. Um, I, I mean, there is uh, the numbers of children um, with the education, health, and care plans, and the numbers of children with additional needs. Uh, um, we've seen that grow massively over uh, the last few years in education across all areas. Mainstream schools are absolutely stepping up and taking many, many more children with complex needs Mm. Uh, but obviously as I said our schools doubled um, and that's not because the mainstream schools aren't coping with with children that's just because there are more children who are surviving early birth complications pregnancy complications or um, you know are born with complex medical conditions but because of the advances in medicine and you know the medical practice they are surviving with great quality of life and great chances uh, but they need my kind of provision, the, the provision we offer at High Furlong, um, to be able to have their needs met. So there's there's so many more, Joe, that, that I think, and we're so much more aware now of of different learning styles and conditions, and staff are so much more able to see that and to be able to adapt learning for that. So I think 
mainstreams are definitely taking more uh, students and including them within their school communities. I am really lucky in my job that I get to work with large groups of SENCOs to support them in, in you know, networking and understanding the needs of the children they've got in their cohorts, looking at the strategies that they can put in place, um, looking at how they can identify needs early and then, you know, plan to meet them so that they don't end up in crisis. Um, so yeah. it's, the, the, the landscape over the last <laughs> few years, particularly in SEND, has changed. But with that, you know, the, the pressures that local authorities face on higher needs funding and the overspends in higher needs funding means that it is you know, is really, really difficult for local authorities to make sure that the right provision is always there. Yeah. Um, and, and I think our journey over the last few years just, you know, emphasises and proves that, you know, you know, with us doubling, we, you know, we are really, really stuck for spaces. And when you look at the cohort that we've got in our school, they absolutely need our school and our provision and our curriculum. Yeah. The um um just before I ask you the next thing, Cheryl KD says, "Well said, Neil. It's the complex needs children who are at High Furlong who require the skill and expertise of Neil's staff, both TAs and teachers." Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, <laughs> and, it, and we've so there is so much demand for our kind of provision, um, and you know when. So many parents would love their children, you know, they would love their children to be able to just go to the same school as their siblings and be part of that. But they do need specialist facilities and specialist um, trained staff, and they need the peace of mind that we we're so lucky that we still have great, great working relationships with the NHS. We've got, you know, we can have up to ten NHS staff in school at any one day. Nice. Across nursing, occupational health, physio, um, hydro, you know, um, sensory diets. It's all in our buildings. So it's just the most incredible place to be if you've got those needs. Uh, and, and I know from my own son, uh, we were told my son would really struggle to walk. He would really struggle to communicate. And if you could see this five-year-old now, having had two and a half years of that specialist intervention, you wouldn't believe you were talking about the same child, Joe. So it's it, it's absolutely right. Yeah, and um, we do need that. Yeah, I I, I guess you know you, you should. Ne- uh, I guess what we can take for this is you, from this is you should never you you should never dismiss a child as you know not having the potential that they do have if you have a determined uh, team or a determined uh, people to help that person thrive. You, um, but you should never dismiss them at all. Yeah, ab- absolutely. One of the things that we've done recently with the reading and phonics is we've now got ways of of teaching and assessing children in reading um, who are nonverbal. So you would never really know whether they could read it or understand you know, yeah. comprehend the text that's in front of them. But with the with the sort of combination of, you know, the expert teaching and the amazing technology that we've got to our hands, we, we've now got nonverbal children who are reading and using their devices to show that they're reading. And all of a sudden you think, actually, these children can do so much more than perhaps we, we originally thought. The, the knock-on side to that then is that we then support the parents 
and the, the team around that child to understand that actually this child knows much more and can comprehend much more than we think um, and show them how to be able to use the technology to do it. So it's, it's, if, if they weren't in that kind of setting where that was available, I, I, you know, they, they just, their potential would not be discovered and unlocked. Mm. And, and that, I think that's really important. It's uh, so yeah, and um, going back to you training up the Senkos, it does sound like Blackpool has a really tight and supportive community. Would you say that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I am um, one of the proudest things for me around winning the best school of the year was being able to bring that back to Blackpool because I think in areas like Blackpool in the northwest, you know, we, we're not always known for excellence and for high standards. The schools um, that I work with and support are incredible. They they do so much, and this, the you know the the network around SEN is just is brilliant. They do so much to to try and meet the needs, and the, and we've got high volumes of needs in that yeah. area. That you know we're not talking about schools with really low percentages of children with additional needs on their cohorts. We're talking about schools that have got lots and lots and lots of complex additional needs. Uh, yeah. and, and we've got, you know, around about six hundred children in Blackpool in specialist places. It's huge. Um, so that so we've we've th- we've four special schools, three are very big and one very small special school. So I think it's been incredible. Yeah that that provision is there. But even with such a massive provision, you know, there's still there's still more needs than, than the provision that's available. So we are working really hard with that. But, yeah, I love supporting them. I love my time with the same cars. Nothing seems to be too much for them. They, they're always very much yeah. cup half full and what can we do? And Brilliant. I think that's really important. Because one of the things that I do like to do on this show is, you know, being a music specialist and a computer nerd and uh, tech specialist, I, uh, but also having special needs myself, I really want to promote um, in education the kinds of things that are perhaps uh, not given the attention they deserve. And so you say you say Blackpool isn't always well known for having high standards, but there's two people that I've had on the show that prove that wrong. You're one of them, and Dave McPartland's the other at Flake Fleet, because I love yeah. Flake Fleet Primary as well. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's... Dave's a good friend. He, he does a great job. They're, I mean, they're obviously Fleetwood, but only minutes down the road. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've had Dave on the show and he was brilliant yeah. as well. Um, cool. So um, obviously, I, 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 don't, I don't need to tell anybody that the last two years have been full of change and uncertainty. That's yeah, another statement. So um, I, how have you prepared and your team prepared your uh, students for kind of the fact that and we can talk for probably talk for hours about how you know the sudden changes the government have made have been really unhelpful to everybody but especially for those who are neurodivergent where change and being out of routine is a huge struggle so how have you and your team prepared your students for things like that 
Well, I, I think, Joe, for us, obviously, as a special school, all our children have education, health and care plans. So we were pretty much left with the mandate of you're open and you carry on. Um, so a lot of our children uh, were in with us. Um, and it, it was a bit strange, really, because obviously we had all of the extra restrictions and measures in place to safeguard the school uh, from COVID. But we... We were in and carrying on as normal and we had bubbles, you know, really strict bubbles for quite a long time, but the children were in. So I think for for a lot of them, that made, you know, that was really important because they weren't necessarily affected. But we did have within that, a, a, you know, a large group of children that weren't able to come in, you know, the, clini- the clinically extremely vulnerable ones, they were at home shielding. But they were dialing into the class with their parents um, and sitting in their seat, but as an iPad, they were going out, you know, at break time with their with their friends and with the staff that support them, and they were still socialising, albeit remotely. They were still very much part of that. And and as we, as the pandemic sort of unfolded and hit, you know, the really difficult parts, a lot of the respite and wraparound services that our families need. Yeah. just weren't able to offer yeah. the support, particularly oh, the charitable no, yeah. ones. Um, that's, those services stopped, so we were in a position to pick up you know, as much of that as we could. Um, we yeah. weren't able to offer any residential care and support, but we did an awful lot of community visits and walks, and uh, staff went to houses at safe distance, and they would take children out for a walk, or, or you know, if they were in the wheelchair, we'd push, the, you know, they'd go around to the local park, they'd be picked up on the minibus, just to try and keep those familiar faces uh, in in their daily routine or in their weekly routine, and try and maintain some element of normality for them, because I think that is, is is so key, and you know, for a lot of our children we had to put social stories together that explained what was happening, that explained why things might be different. You know, even for those that were in school, well, we're not going to the hall anymore for dinner. We're not going for assembly. We're not, you know, doing group work with other classes at the minute. We're staying, you know, in smaller groups and we're staying safe. We had to explain that, you know, why all of a sudden, are the faces that these children know and recognise covered with a mask? How does how does a child with learning difficulties understand and comprehend why they're covered with a mask? You know, yeah. Um, what does that mean? Because actually, that's it's quite frightening. And then, of course, yeah. there's the communication issues that come along the back of that. So we, <clears throat> we had to do a lot of work really carefully because what we want absolutely wanted to avoid was any any chance of the children being frightened by what was around them yeah and by the changes that literally I mean the changes came in overnight didn't they we mm. we sort of yeah officially closed um in I think the third minute of the the prime minister's speech and then we reopened again in I think the sixth minute of his speech when he said <laughs> if you've still got a specialist provision you're open so uh we did have periods lots of times when we had to close bubbles uh, and certain groups were out, but we have a really, really incredible remote learning provision in place. So yeah. you just switched from one to the other. And, you know, quite often we've we've still got some children that haven't been able to come back into school fully, but they will switch between the two. Um, and that blended learning is absolutely, has been key for our children and for us. 
Yeah, because one of um, I that really um struck a chord with me when you said you know children being afraid of everything that's around them, and sadly, yeah. that has happened to one of my own students at my school now. Um, I don't know if you've been following where I'm working at the moment, but Liberty Woodland School, my school, everything is 100% outdoors and we've got three acres of National Trust land and we're very forest school focused and it's brilliant. Uh, I love it there. Um, But yeah, we've got one child who's on the spectrum who he's the lone child who wears a mask and keeps his social distance because he's been conditioned to fear covid and therefore fear other being around other people and that it makes me sad seeing that um so you know we've you know we could we could go on for hours about how the government's handling of all of it's been an absolute catastrophe but um yeah wait i i don't want this show to be massively negative so um, (laughs) absolutely so um now, we're both musicians, so I've mm. got to ask you um, some of the things that you do musically at High Furlong. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we have, um, as, as head, I don't do enough music. It's it's one of, I, I keep thinking, oh, gosh, I wish I could, I want to do more. And we'd built up some really good music, and then the pandemic sort of hit. And But we have still got a lovely choir we've got a samba band nice. uh, we've got uh, a fantastic relationship with the uh, music education hub and they yeah. come in and do lots and lots of fantastic work with the children uh, right from exploring sounds um, um, and timbres right up to being able to you know to play ukulele we've got some groups so we've got the full range of sort of experiences oh, um, when I first started at the school we had um, a boy in key stage four at the time who um, was on the autistic spectrum and was a really, really talented pianist. Um, <laughs> nice. I came into the school and I was like, oh, I'd love to hear you play. Let's you know, play something for me on the piano. And he said, oh, we don't have one. So Aww. I was like, we'll, 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 we'll sort that. So actually <laughs> in, in the summer um, before I started, one of I got the removals firm to, I had a, a an upright piano in the house that an, an extra piano so we moved that into the school and, and and actually that was that was so good having that there we've now got four pianos and we you know we, it's not unusual for children to be around the piano it, you know, for children to be near a piano and playing and, and they use that very much for their own mental well-being and for their you know as a, as a calming strategy for some of the children uh, they love it when you play. Absolutely love it when you play. And yeah, I know the feeling. Love to sing. Uh, our children absolutely love to sing. That's we get around the piano, and we were able to still do. We've still done all our shows, nice. Uh, but we've done them. We've had to just do them differently. So we've yeah. carried on. We've still done the Christmas. The Christmas show um, at the end of last term was absolutely incredible. So it was very small in-school audiences. Um, recorded and filmed and edited and shared with parents and carers so that they could see um and and it's just we just have to do it differently joe yeah but what you have um, to do is not use it as an excuse and say well oh we can't do it now because of the pandemic we just have to say yeah, right exactly. we, we might not have been able to do it how we did so how are we going to do it and and i think yeah staying positive and finding the ways around things and the solutions 
it is, yeah. is well worth the hard work and the effort because you see then what the, what the children get from it. And that's exactly what we've been doing at Liberty Woodland School. Yeah. It's, it's always been one of the most depressing things that I've seen on social media has yeah. been when schools have been saying, oh, my, my school are banned from singing now. Oh, They're not allowed to sing. And that, that just, I'm just, yeah, I just put my head in my hands and think that's so, yeah. that's so sad that that happens. Yeah, um, to, now, I mean, we do. We didn't do it for a while. Some, some of the things had to stop when they were in bubbles. We just had to do it. As I say, you've just got to do it differently because you, you, you can't tell somebody who, you know, if it's in their DNA that they can't sing or that they can't do this or they can't play that, you just have to make it work differently. Yeah. I'm a very well, strong believer yeah. in that. I've got to, I've got to ask since you said you got removals to move the piano did you because I one of the things I remember from being house staff on EYSM is when eight when eight of us tried to move the, the piano across the school site do you remember that I remember that well yeah, yeah we, we used to be a, it used to be every year at the old old campus but we now we've moved homes now so we now at yeah. St Catherine's in Bramley and and Okay. Uh, we don't. We definitely don't move their pianos. We don't need to. They've got wonderful facilities for us. So, but yeah, I remember yeah. moving an upright piano across a quad. But my <laughs> my my days of physically moving pianos, Joe, are done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so just get Gideon to do that. Yes. <laughs> he's got the strength. Um, so um, so yeah, that was uh, that was fun. Right, what? Um, I've got one more thing I wanted to ask you, and that's about. Um, so, tell us about receiving the awards. So, Laughology and the National School Awards. What was that experience like for you and your team? Well, I mean, the first one was the, the Laughology Award, the happy, uh, UK's happiest school. Um, we uh, we were actually nominated by Flake Fleet oh, amazing. Uh, for that. Um, so we won it the year after Flake Fleet. Yes, Dave. Um, yes. And we went to London. Uh, a team of us went to London, um, very much just thrilled that we'd been shortlisted and, and we were awarded the happiest school. And I think from that was really a turning point for us as a school because it was kind of the validation that, uh, yes, we're doing the right things, we're trying hard, we, we're a good team, Um the Laughology, the Happiness Awards really, really took into account the the work at all levels. It, it wasn't about, you know, an amazing senior leadership team or about, you know, wonderful teaching. It was about every single thing that happened in the school. So it validated everybody and it really brought us together as a school family. And I think that for me as head, that was really, really important. We'd done a lot of work. Uh, myself, Joanne and Cheryl as a team um, and with the other senior leaders around, we've done a lot of work around bringing the different parts of the school together. So it, it was brilliant. And then, of course, we we were actually nominated into the 2020 School of the Year Awards, but, of course, they didn't run. Yeah. So what they then did was they the nominations opened for 2021 and they, they pooled both sets of nominations if you will, and then did the ceremony um, in, in um, early December last year. So we, when we got the message in the inbox saying that we'd been shortlisted and that we were the last four schools nationally, it was a complete surprise to us because we had no idea that we'd been nominated for, for this award at all. So um, we, um, 
we just had no idea. Uh, and actually, it was only by chance that Cheryl had checked her old sort of school email and kept in touch with us and said, this has come through, you need to look at it. So, um, and then when we did some digging, we found out that obviously um, Cheryl had nominated us um, on her retirement and nominated the school for the work that they were doing. So we got to the last four. They published the other three schools details that we were up against and we were sort of saying, oh, you know, we've done so well to get into this category, you know, and to be nominated and shortlisted. So we went very much again with the idea that we felt that we'd achieved so much just going and being in the last four. And then when they announced um, the winner, we were sort of, we just sort of looked a little bit, yeah. I guess, dumbstruck. We were very, we were like, did, you know, did they say us? And it, 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 it was just wonderful. It's, <laughs> and again, you know, it's not just for the school, this, it, the award. It's about everything that High Furlong means, I think, in, in you know, for our children, uh, for the effort that goes in from all the staff. I've never seen a group of people give so much Um you know, it, it just is effortless in that sense. And then obviously, as I said, to bring that back to the Northwest and to Blackpool and be able to say, look, this is incredible. At a time when there's so much bad press and there's so yeah. much negativity around <clears throat> education and SEN, you know, particularly. So we were we were thrilled. And I think, you know, it, it is just such an incredible achievement for all of us. So we were we, we are utterly delighted. Brilliant. Well, um, I'm going to, um, Neil, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being my guest uh, this week. Um, and the last section of my show, I don't know if you, um, because last section of my show, I always play some songs I do with and sing some songs I do with the kids and uh, talk about like musicy stuff. So I don't know if you had a song that you'd uh, like to share um after the news and ad break uh oh gosh okay <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah let me think for a minute and i'll come back to you all right yeah the the, the news uh lasts for about eight minutes or so yeah. so um right let's mute ourselves and uh, let's have a break thanks joe this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news extensive research into the importance of the early years, Oxford University has involved nearly 4,000 children from across the UK in three specially developed science lessons. The aim of the lessons is to educate pupils about brain development during early childhood. The SCENE project, Secondary Education Around Early Neurodevelopment, is part of a drive to increase public understanding of how early experiences can shape the adults we become. Dr Elizabeth Rapper, Senior Scientist at University of Oxford, comments on the university website, in the same way that we teach children about the risks of smoking or poor diet, children also need to know about why experiences in our early childhood years are so important for later health. Just one in four adults recognise the importance of the first five years of life for providing lifelong health and happiness. The lessons taught the neuroscience of brain development and what that means in terms of how a child grows and develops, as well as focusing on specifics such as how a caregiver should speak to a baby to promote their language development. 
Schools in some regions are once again facing closure, although this time it's the weather rather than the pandemic that is to blame. ITV News reports that snow and ice led to the full or partial closure of schools across Yorkshire. The closures were largely due to staffing issues as many staff struggled to get into school after yellow weather warnings for snow and ice were issued. The cold weather also prompted an article in the Metro focusing on the temperature inside schools as many try to increase ventilation to mitigate the transmission of coronavirus. The article reminds readers that there is no minimum temperature recommended for schools in current legislation, but that schools should follow all health and safety guidance to ensure pupils and staff are kept safe. On the official government website, .gov.uk, the Education Hub features a story from University's Minister Michelle Donnellan. The piece, entitled What I Wish I Knew About Uni Before I Started, offers the Minister's top tips around topics such as UCAS deadlines, maintaining your mental health during both the application process and starting a course, and advice about funding and the Turing scheme, which replaced the Erasmus scheme. The website also includes a link to the video recording of the interview. In further higher education news, the Nigerian Tribune reports on a regional conference which is investigating the impact of private universities on public universities in Africa. The event was held at Babcock University and has the support of the University of Texas at Austin and the Carnegie Corporation of New York. Professor Toyin Falola, conference leader, stated, We are studying five countries, Ghana, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya and South Africa. The conference aims to focus on developing the knowledge economy and how it can be improved. The project intends to assess the performance of private universities and understand the impact they are having on public universities in driving up standards, increasing student recruitment and improving the range of courses on offer in all institutions. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now before I start, I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I am assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claiming to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, how about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride, for example, 
will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed for time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to to remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. And we're back. Okay, so... Um... What, so yeah, Neil. What I meant by um, by the songs is um, what I what I do. I've got my piano by my side by my desk. Um, oh, okay. So uh, if if you're uh, if you are you on your phone or a tablet? I'm on my phone. Yeah. Um, what I meant was, have you got a song you could play and uh, play and sing to us? Um, oh my goodness, Joe! Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> goodness me. Uh, so. Oh. That, that, that's what I'm going to do now. That's yeah. That's I'll let you do that. Okay, cool. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you as a guest, Neil. Thank, thank you. you so thank much, you Joe. so much. Um, cool. So, first song of the um, first song I'm going to play is um, there's this eco choir that I'm a big fan of called SOS from the Kids. They were. We were talking about Dave McPartlin earlier. I had him on the show last year and he was on Britain's Got Talent. And so were SOS from the kids. And they're an eco choir of all ages, from teenagers to um, to uh, to younger kids. And they've written several songs which are about, are about looking 
the environment, changing the story and not hurting our planet. And <clears throat> this is relevant to me this year because, um, well, th this term, because with my kids, we're going to, one of our projects is about being eco-influencers and we're going to look at that. So we're going to write, hopefully write our own original eco song and we're going to um, do, I'm going to teach them a couple of these songs. So I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a go. Um, this one, this song's called SOS from the Kids and it's by SOS from the Kids. Um, so here we go. This is an SOS from the kids All the grown-ups take out of this We're finding our voice, calling you out You can leave the world in fire and drought This is an SOS from the kids Change the story, rewrite the plot. This beautiful love cannot be lost. Stop hurting our planet like you don't care. There's only one world for us to share. This is an SOS from the kids All the grown-ups take note of this Wake up and see that you must make a change The riches you seek will all be washed away This is an SOS from the kids Please change the story So that's part of um, so that's part of that song SOS from the kids. That's their title song, the first one they wrote. Then um, another song that I'm hopefully gonna do with my own kids is called Stand as One. Um, bear in mind that the songs I'm playing you were written by uh, a 12 year old boy and his mum. He's now 14, um, but yeah, they're brilliant songs. <clears throat> so this one's called Stand as One. It's also by SOS from the Kids. Uh, oh wait, I've just lost it. Where are the words? There you go. Um, okay. <clears throat> Oh, 
let's not have a planet anymore. It's a beautiful world that we're living in. We don't want to lose one more living thing. It's a beautiful world, but it needs our help. Let's stand as one as fight is real. Help us, help our planet heal. We're a generation growing up to love. Species are in danger, never to return. Science on the TV, science in our schools, tells us that we need to change the world. It's a beautiful world that we're living in. We don't want to lose what we're living through. It's a beautiful world, but it needs our help. Let's stand as one. This fight is real. Help us, help our planet So that was Stand As One by SOS from the Kids. And I'm hoping to um, be able to talk to the choir themselves um, and, and help allow my kids to ask them the kids in the choir and um, Simeon, uh, who's the leader of the choir, his mum, who they wrote the song together. I'm hoping that the kids will be able to ask them questions. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to share those songs with you. Go check them out. SOS from the kids. They're brilliant. Um, so the now with um, my own singing teaching, one thing that I wanted to uh, improve on is my Kadai ability. Now, um, if anyone listened to my show with Jimmy Rotherham last year, the um, he talked, he's very much an expert in Kadai and he talks a lot about this. But one of the things that, 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 <clears throat> that Kadai does in terms of teaching pitch is um, rather than using the notes, so C, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, um, you use uh, Do, Re, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Do, and uh, the Kadai method uses that, or what we call the Solfa, um, S-O-L-F-A. Um, and um, if we're doing Do, Re, Mi, and I'm I'm starting to use that and uh, to get the kids better at pitch matching and uh, understanding and pitch distinction things like that. Then there's only one song really that you can uh, you can introduce that with. Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start when you sing. You begin with. A Wow. I'm so sorry. I just said completely the wrong word there. I can't do that with the sound of music. I can't get that wrong. Right. Let's try that again. 
Let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. When you read, you begin with A, B, C. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. Do, Re, Mi. Do, Re, Mi. The first three notes just happen to be Do, Re, Mi. Do, Re, Mi. Do, Re, Mi. Maserati. Let's see if I can make it easier. Do a deer, a female deer, Ray a drop of golden sun. Be a name I call myself, Far I'm on my way to run. Saw a needle falling thread, Laura a note to follow so. Tea a drink with jam and bread, You can do so much with that as well, especially in the bits when um, it goes later on. Um, so, do, la, fa, mi, do, re. So, fa, la, fa, mi, do, re. And then with the words, when you know the notes to sing. You can sing most anything. There's all sorts of things you can do um, do with that song. And then, of course, we can change it up when they go do, mi, 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 fa, mi, so, so, re, fa, fa, la, ti, ti, etc. Um, so, yeah, bit of sound of music for you. Um, right. <laughs> I normally include at least one song that I do with early years. Um, and so this one's about pirates. It's called The Pirate You Shall Be. It's by Tom Zender. I, I'm not sure if I've played this one before, but um, I fancy doing it. Thirsty on the sea, said the sailor, leave ho, adventure is for me, uh, uh, searching for the treasure hidden well, on the secret treasure map, a tale I'll never tell, I'll say, oh, good orderly, hoist the jolly roger and a pirate you shall be, the spot so dig 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 and then you get them doing a digging action here xbox the spot so dig 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 on the run escape is what we'll do now we have the puddy and i a mighty crew man your guns the crack 
Hopkins on his way. Lord, you cannons, well, lads, and wait until I say, coming about, so ready, set, fire. Um, that is a song about pirates that I very much enjoy. Um, it was featured on one of the Just Dance games, actually. Um, okay, I shall... Um, actually, it's coming up to the end of my show. So um, I shall leave you with the verse of a song called Bright Blue Sky. Um, I can't remember if I've played this one before either, but it's one of... Um, it's one that um it's one that i enjoy doing um so here we go there's a bright blue sky above the clouds though you can't see it there is sunshine though So you can't feel it. There are cold seeds seeping in the earth that lie beneath your feet, and they're waiting for the spring to come to give them life and heat. There's a bright blue sky. see it. There's a bright blue sky above the clouds. You better believe it. And on that note, that is all I have time for. So, um, Neil, if you're still there, um, thank you so, so much for being my guest. Really appreciate it. It was great to talk to you. Um, and um, thank you to all those who listened. And um, see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.